Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt, slashing your taxes, and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, who met his wife while training for the 400 meters in Seattle and is eating gluten-free whilst lusting after bread, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends. This is Dave Denniston back at you with another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I've alluded from time to time about my love of tax liens and how it all ties in with my land flipping business. In the last episode, I gave you the audio that was stripped out from a presentation that I did that is on our website, daviddeniston.com slash videos. Um, This is another presentation I did shortly after land flipping talking about tax liens. So we've stripped out the audio. Um, If you enjoy the audio, you like the audio, but you'd love to see the presentation, make sure to go to our website, daviddeniston.com slash videos so that you could check out the, the whole enchilada on uh, tax liens and see visually everything that I'm talking about here in the audio. But for those of you that just wanna hear the audio, here we go. Let's talk about tax liens. With no further ado. Welcome to another presentation. So glad to have you here with me today. We are going to be talking about tax liens. In our last presentation, we were talking about land flipping and all of these really cool things with with land flipping that tell you how to buy and sell land. Now, this time we're going to talk about tax liens, which is something I am particularly passionate about. And I will tell you, tax liens are changing in today's world. And you really have to be careful about what you're doing, but man, can they be profitable? They don't take a ton of work. Uh, Land flipping takes a lot of work, a lot of effort from many of us, particularly the way that I've done it. So with no further ado, let's talk about tax liens and what tax liens are all about. Now, I here live in Minnesota, so here's a quick trivia question for you. How much in property taxes were paid in Minnesota two years ago in 2020? Was it millions? Was it billions? Was it trillions? The answer is $10.5 billion. And I asked this question about property taxes because this ties into tax liens. We'll talk more about that here shortly. Now, as always, uh, I am the CEO and a financial advisor through my company that I own, Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC. We are an independent registered investment advisor based here in Bloomington. And of course, anything I talk about here, you know, make sure you're talking to your professionals when we're talking about tax and legal stuff, but I think you'll find this to be beneficial for you. Now, if you want a copy of these slides, you thought this was really cool, you want to take some time to look through it, feel free to email Robbie, my assistant, assistant at daviddeniston.com. All right, so maybe you're not familiar with me. Maybe you stumbled on this on, on the internet somehow. You might be asking, who is this guy? 
Well, if you're not familiar with me, uh, I am a financial advisor, so helping clients with their investments and retirement planning and tax planning and all kinds of stuff like that. I'm an author, written quite a few books. I'm a podcaster who has two different podcasts. Maybe a third is in the works. I am a land flipper. As I mentioned, I buy and sell raw land. And then lastly, right now, my, my last title is Tax Lean Investor which is what we're gonna be talking about today. Now, if you don't know much about me, you'll know that, you'll get to know that I love travel. So if you follow me on Facebook, my family and I love to go on road trips, whether they're short ones or long trips and travel internationally. There's me and my wife in Switzerland, loved it up there. If you ever have the chance to get out to Gimmelwald and Lauterbrunnen, and I highly recommend it, we love it up there. That's uh, my wife and the two girls, the, uh, the apples of my eye near Estes Park, Colorado. There's uh, us having an adventure doing river rafting on the Rio Grande River close to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then there's me and my oldest daughter, Gabby, in, uh, by Quebec City by these huge falls. We did some zip lining, which was a lot of fun. So we'd love to travel. I'd love to know from you what some of your favorite travel spots are if you happen to reach out to me. Now, as I mentioned, I am a financial advisor. I am a CFA charter holder through the CFA Institute. Commonly, people that run hedge funds, people that manage money for mutual funds are often CFA charter holders like myself. So you'll see at the end of my name, CFA, there. I have been in this industry, the financial planning industry, since 2002. It's my first love, my first passion, and I have a number of different licenses you can see there. And uh, then I founded this company, Centurion Financial Strategies. The company itself has actually been around since 08, um, but I officially launched it in 2021 uh, after being part of a, a partnership. And so excited to be here and talk about this with you because it's something very unusual that I've never seen a financial advisor talk about, let alone most people in uh, the investment world. Very few talk about tax liens. Now, I am an author, written a few books you can see here, have a particular heart for physicians and doctors, and so um, more books I have planning in the works, but for right now, I'm so busy doing what I do and being with my family. I haven't had the chance to write a book in a few years. I'm also a podcaster. If you go on, on iTunes or Google or Spotify or any of the regular podcasting channels, you can do a search for either of these two podcasts. The Freedom Formula for Physicians I've done for like seven years. So I have lots and lots and lots of content there. Land Stories is newer, just in the last two, three years, and a lot of great content around my land business there. As I mentioned, I'm a land flipper, got a few different companies around that. Generation Family Properties is my oldest. Uh, I've been doing that about five years, which is also where I've done tax liens through Generation Family Properties. So that's uh, what got it there. Now, you may be asking, Dave, why are you doing all this stuff? How do you have time? What does that look like for you? And I'll tell you, I can't do it without an amazing team. I have Robbie, my assistant here. I have virtual assistants all across the U.S. and literally across the world that help to run some of my businesses for me. And my inspiration for my podcast, my books, and um, really a, a lot of my life has been this little girl. 
Evangeline Marie Denniston, born in May of 2012. She was less than a pound, 12.4 ounces. This little girl came into the world. She is our miracle and been through a lot in her little life. And uh, we're so proud of her. Here she is now, 10 years old. This is a picture from a year ago out in Galveston. And um, man, who would have thought? Came out with translucent skin and uh, was on a breathing tube, as you can see in the picture. And I do this to really create a future for her and for my wife and, and a legacy, hopefully, for our grandchildren down the road. Now, as I mentioned, I, I do all these different things, and I want you to understand how we help people. Number one, as a financial advisor, helping them invest, you know, taking that off of their shoulders or giving someone advice on how to do that. And then there's the whole other part of financial planning outside of investing that we do a ton of. We do retirement projections. We help people with proactive tax advice and tax planning when we can and working with their CPA on that. We work with clients on estate planning. And so all of those two-thirds of my life uh, are around financial planning. Now, this other one-third is on teaching other streams of income. And that's what we're talking about today. Something that's not stocks, bonds, mutual funds. I love those things, uh, but I really want to educate people. on That isn't it. There's other stuff you can do if you're so inclined. Now, when I founded this company, I really had four different missions, and I hope this rings true with you. Number one, our mission is to protect and grow client assets. Secondly, is to guide clients towards their goals. Third, is conquering new streams of income. And fourth, being to teach others how to do the same. So I'm constantly exploring, constantly learning, constantly pushing myself, and I wanted to share advice with you on a day like today. And today we're talking about teaching other streams of income. And when it comes to this particular thing, I think it is so important that um, when I, I am a financial advisor, I'm managing people's money. And a lot of that relies on giving a man a fish and you feed him for a day. What excites me about tax liens and land flipping is that you're teaching a man to fish so you can feed him for a lifetime. These are things you can do on your own if you're so inclined, if this kind of rings true with you. All right, so what are tax liens? Do you remember at the very beginning of the presentation that we talked about I asked the question, how much in property taxes were owed in the state of Minnesota? And the reason I asked that is because a tax lien basically is unpaid property taxes. What do I mean by that? A, uh, essentially, imagine that on my house, our property taxes are like 4000 bucks a year. And so if I don't pay those property taxes in a particular state, then um, the county has a lien on my particular property, my house. And it could be raw land, it could be commercial property, just anything that property taxes are levied on, if they are missed, now there is a lien on it. And as an investor, 
what I do to the to certain counties and certain states that we'll we'll talk about here shortly is I'm saying I'm gonna pay those on behalf of that person. And in exchange, if they pay it back, I get my money back plus interest. Or what I love being a land flipper, if they don't pay on it after a certain period of time, then we foreclose on it. And then if everything goes through, they, they get a bunch of notices and intense, hey, you're going to lose your property. And we try and contact them every way we can, or my attorneys do, then uh, we end up getting the property. Or they pay back the, the lien and we get back all of our money plus interest. Now, who invests in tax liens? To be honest, I mean, this is such a niche topic. I first found out about this through Robert Allen and his book, Multiple Streams of Income. The people that I know that invest in tax liens, often they're busy professionals and they're really trying to move the needle on their, their retirement. They don't have a ton of time to devote to a business, but they don't mind expending a, like, let's say a month and going hard on some energy. Then they'll take a few months off. A lot of the people that I see that invest in tax liens, they are very organized, uh, fairly detail-oriented, and they really are excited about this niche and a very helpful group. So if you are someone that maybe you're looking for a side hustle, but you don't have a ton, a ton of time, but maybe you could devote a month to it, I think it's a really good fit for someone like that. Now, what are the benefits of them? What I love about it is you can do it from anywhere on a laptop in most cases. Sometimes tax liens, you have to show up in person, which honestly are the better ones, but I've done it from all over the country, participating in auctions and, and buying liens. Unlike rental houses and commercial real estate and storage facilities or servers or warehouses, you know, there's with tax liens, especially there's no toilets you have to worry about, no termites and no tenants, at least uh, for the period you hold the lien, maybe you end up getting a property and then you have to think about how you're going to get rid of it, which is a great problem to have. The other thing that, that I really like about tax liens that's different than my land business is I can do this in my IRA. I can do this in my Roth IRA, and I don't need a lot of help to be able to get uh, everything that I need. And so there's ways you can self-direct to really uh, do this kind of a thing and have it be tax-deferred or even come out tax-free for you. Now, uh, the other thing that I like about it generally, of course, there's risk with everything, right? There's no guarantees in life, but generally because you're doing the work yourself, because you're finding these really niche opportunities, generally you have a higher potential ROI than you can in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, stuff like that. And besides that, this, these tax liens, they're secured by collateral, right? This isn't like a CD at a bank or a loaning a friend money, uh, you actually have collateral behind this. You know, it's not like you're investing in bonds where you're way down the line when the company goes bankrupt. Or you're a stockholder and you can get wiped out if a company goes bankrupt. Tax liens are secured by the collateral, which you can get if the person ends up not paying them. 
Now, personally, for me, all of those benefits are awesome. But for me, what I love is the minimal time needed. You know, we really do a concentrated effort for a week or two weeks or three weeks to knock out the tax liens. Uh, if you wanted to go in a whole bunch of different states, I mean, it really could be like a full-time gig for you. So it's something you could work towards being full-time, but um, really, uh, as you start out, you know, just, just starting out with one is always a good idea. What I love about it too, you know, it's a win-win situation. You're helping the counties so they can pay the police, they can pay the fire, they can keep up the roads. This way they get the property taxes that they aren't receiving. And then in return, a win for us is we get interest or potentially a property. The other thing that I like about this, I can do it pretty much all myself. I might hire some staff, but like in my land business, I have like 15 people doing all kinds of different things. This, I might need one other person, and that's it. And even that person, like I don't need them to do a ton of work. It's really relatively limited. And then as a land investor, my favorite thing is acquiring land at way below market prices so I can turn around and sell it at wholesale rates or at market rates. And then uh, other thing I love about it, you really stack up residual income. I literally get multiple checks uh, and sometimes a week, often a month, I'm getting three, four, five, six, seven, eight checks. And you just see the money rolling in and uh, as you invest it in stuff and it comes back to you, which is really fun. And then really very few other people do this stuff. Very few other people want to take the time to do it. So there is competition, uh, but the competition generally is rather limited. It's not like houses where you literally have hundreds of people and companies trying to acquire the houses. At least that's been my experience so far. Maybe I'll have to stop doing these presentations if you uh, do follow it, what I'm, what I'm doing. Now, how do you make money from tax liens? Really, there's two different ways. Number one way being the most common way is interest. So you are uh, focusing on trying to make money from the interest. In comparison, the other, other way you make money is you foreclose on a property and then you turn around and sell that property to somebody else. And really, you're, if you're going for one or the other, there's two very different ways that you go about it. So to give you an idea, like um, tax lien foreclosures, I'm generally looking for people that have passed away or people that have gone through bankruptcy or someone that bought a property like 30 years ago and um, maybe they just don't care about it anymore. So that's why I'm usually doing in a tax lien foreclosure. In comparison for interest, when I just want to earn interest off of the money, which could be anywhere from uh, zero to 16%, depending upon the state that you're looking at, some states are even higher than that, then I want to look for people that I think are going to pay it back. And of course, you can do a combination of the two. I so far have focused more on the foreclosure side, but definitely you can just focus on the interest and look for properties and liens that'll do that for you. Uh, tax lien states versus tax deed states. So not every state can you buy tax liens. And those are called tax deed states. So if you take a look at the map here, you notice here that in my kind of upper left-hand corner, blue states are tax deed states. Notice this is um, a map, this is courtesy of Ari Tipster. 
Seth Williams. So uh, he has a lot of great content, by the way. Um, so I appreciate Seth putting this out there because this is really helpful. So Minnesota, where I live, it's blue, you'll notice, as a tax deed state. This means you cannot buy liens in there. You notice the whole West Coast, Washington, Oregon, California, are all tax deed states. So anything that's blue, you can't do tax liens in. In comparison, everything that's red, you can do tax liens in. So Arizona, Colorado, uh, Nebraska, Iowa, Missouri, Louisiana, Missouri, Alabama, South Carolina, Montana, Wyoming, Vermont, New Jersey, Maryland, Washington, D.C., all of those are tax lien jurisdictions. So while we can't do it everywhere, we can do it in those places. Now, there are some others you might notice here that are brown or green, and those are hybrid states. And what that means is they do both tax liens and tax deeds, and each state can have really funky rules. People that are more interested in earning interest, I suggest um, some of these hybrid states, in particular Florida. Uh, if you're just wanting to earn interest from the tax liens, that's a wonderful place to go to get interest on. And um, obviously, if you just want properties and you want to bid on properties, the tax deed states are blue ones. Every so often, counties and municipalities will have auctions. You can go and bid on the actual property. And of course, those can be competitive, uh, but not everyone goes to those things. And I've had success in both tax deed states acquiring actual properties fairly stinking cheap and turning around and selling them for a profit. And I've done lots and lots and lots of tax liens, which you don't guarantee that you get the property, but at least you can possibly earn some interest along the way. So again, tax lien states, the red ones are the ones that you want to focus on. All right. So even in a tax lien state, right, we were just looking at Arizona, Colorado are both tax lien states. So you could do tax liens in them. Well, they have differences in terms of how you think about them, how you earn interest, how you bid on them. So let's go through this case study of Arizona versus Colorado. Arizona is really interesting. You bid on the interest rate. So that can be anywhere from 0% up to 16. And so when you do that, the essentially the county is making money based off of whatever the lower bid is. So let's say uh, you bid down to 12%. Someone else bids 14%. You'll get it at 13%. All right, so that's what you're going to earn on the lien. And then the county earns that extra 3%. They're still going to charge the person a full 16, but you are, are making the majority of it. On the best properties where you want to foreclose on them, you generally you have to bid zero. So I bid zero on plenty and picked up the liens, but I'm guaranteed not to make money on the interest. As a matter of fact, I'll actually lose because they charge a small administrative fee on them should someone redeem it. But for everyone that comes through that works out for me where I'm trying to acquire the property, it's awesome. So Arizona, awesome um, tax lien state for those of you that want to earn interest and don't want to get in like crazy competitive situations. Major con though for Arizona, for those of us that want to foreclose, you have to go through an attorney. 
And so my costs per property have ranged from like two grand to three grand, all in, including posting things, hiring, serving people to service the, the serve a notice to people that, that uh, we're going to foreclose on them. And uh, then actually paying the attorney as well, too. So that's two to three grand. So you have to be really careful with your exit strategy with Arizona, because if you buy a land worth 3000 bucks or you buy a lien on a land worth 3000 bucks and it's going to cost you $2,500 to do it, plus you paid for the lien, you have very little margin that you're going to make, if anything, on the property. So going through an attorney, if you have a buddy that's an attorney, maybe they can help you out with that. Um, but um, Or if you're an attorney in Arizona, great thing to do. Uh, other particular thing about Arizona and states, as you research them, you have to remember how long will it take for you to start foreclosure. You also want to know how long can the lien last for. So Arizona and Colorado are both seven years in terms of how long the lien can last for. If you don't start the foreclosure process after six or so years, then you could actually lose all of your money on the lien. So you have to be really aware of these timelines. I generally try and foreclose between three and four years on most properties. Uh, sometimes I delay it just to let interest build up a little more, gives me a better chance of actually getting the property and identifying, you know, who's the people that are going to pay it back versus the people who are not. So I'm not just wasting my time and attorney's time with it. And then the other thing that happens with liens. So let's say you, you, you in Arizona, you bid on, on one, it's going to cost you 200 bucks. That's it. 200 bucks to buy the lien. And this person still hasn't paid their property taxes the next year. That's called an endorsement. And so you're having to endorse the next year's lien. And in some counties in Arizona, if you don't endorse it, it will go up for auction and then you, you lose it, so to speak, which can be a way to get your money back plus interest, uh, but then you lose your interest in the property if you're trying to foreclose it. So um, the endorsing and that process varies from county to county. And uh, I've found it's, it's a little more complicated on those follow-ups. Some counties will email you. Some counties won't email you. Some counties will send you stuff in the mail to remind you to endorse stuff. So you really have to be organized and, and think about this. Now, in terms of county research in Colorado, what's different is the interest rate is just flat. In 2021, it was 9%. I suspect this year it'll probably be higher with interest rates rising. I've seen it as high as 12% in my experience. Now, the hard part about Colorado is you're not bidding on the interest rate, you're bidding on the premium. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is if you're buying a lien, if the lien is for 200 bucks, you might be able to buy it at 200. But if you're bidding against someone else, you might buy it at 205. 210, 215, 220, 225, 230. And so if, uh, let's say, you're earning 10% on a lien, the lien is 200 bucks, but you bought it for $230, and they redeem it a year later, you get $20 worth of interest, which is great, but then you lose $10 on your initial investment. So you really have to be careful in Colorado, particularly those of you that are going for interest. You know, maybe you bid a small amount, but you don't want to bid a whole lot. 
Um, those of us like myself that are trying to foreclose on properties, it gets to be this kind of thing where how much money are you willing to lose in order to make money? And I've bought plenty of liens where I don't pay any premium because I bought them over the counter or no one else was bidding on it. Uh, so that does happen. Uh, the good news with Colorado is that the foreclosure is way less. So it, it varies from county to county. Every county decides it. I've seen it be as low as 250 bucks, as high as $600 to foreclose. So the county does all the work. You don't need an attorney. So you can bid on properties that are worth a lot less, like 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 bucks. And so um, that way you kind of know, um, you can bid on smaller stuff, which is someone just starting out, you know, putting $50, $100, $150 towards a lien is a lot easier than perhaps in Arizona, you're having to put $300 or $400 each year towards a lien. In some cases, I've had $1,500 years, $1, a year towards a lien I'm getting 0% interest on because I'm trying to foreclose on it. Um, just like Arizona, Again, every state is different. Colorado is three years from the initial lien to starting foreclosure. And the good news here, Colorado, I've never had an issue with endorsing the liens. And so every year that's gone swimmingly well. And um, keep in mind, you might pay a premium year one in Colorado, but you don't pay that premium again on the endorsements of future tax year. So that's why, you know, if you're bidding uh, 5% to 10% higher, you're essentially betting that the lien's going to last longer than six months or a year and that you can endorse it and then make interest on the endorsement as well as the original one. So you can see here, it can start to get complex. But bottom line with Arizona, if you bid 12, 13, 14, 15, 16% and you're getting that, and you're bidding it on a property that you think is worth a, a good chunk, then you're gonna do great. And you don't have to worry about losing much in the way of money on it. Colorado, you really have to be careful about what you're bidding, how much you're bidding, and knowing your strategy and what you're trying to accomplish. So let me just run a few examples by you just to, to let you know these are actual things that I've done. Um, so in Arizona, I bought a lien in Navajo County, Arizona at the auction. So I participated in the auction. And in this particular case, foreclosure could begin three years later. And I had a beginning bid of 16%. I won it at eight. So someone bid nine, but they didn't want to bid eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, or zero. So I got it at 8%. I'm sorry, at 9%. I'm sorry. I bid 8%. They bid 10 I got it at nine. So it was 200 bucks. In um, Colorado, I bought a um, lien from Costilla County and I bought it over the counter, meaning that I'm not at an auction. I'm not competing against anybody. As a matter of fact, in this case, the auction took place a year earlier. So from the year ago auction, foreclosure was three years, but I bought it a year later and so I'm speeding up the foreclosure process. And so I bought it for $172.52. And there was no premium that we were just talking about because it was just over the counter. No one bought this lien before. So I swooped in and got it. Now you'll notice here as well at the very bottom, sometimes there can be fees. 
So in the case of the Arizona lien, the lien itself was $191.02, and the county charged a fee of 10 bucks. In comparison, in Costilla County here, where I bought it over the counter, the lien was $172 and no premium and no county fee. So the county fees in Arizona, you got to be aware of too. In this case, $10 on $191 is about a 5% uh, premium, if you will. And the county fees are flat. So the higher the lien, then the smaller percentage that is, right? So if it was a $1,000 lien, well, that 10 bucks is like less than 1% of that. You know, it's, it's negligible um, in terms of that amount. So you got to keep that in mind too. Here's another example, another two examples. So again, in Arizona, I bought another one in Yavapai County, Arizona at auction. And again, here, this was a fresh one. So foreclosure could begin three years later. The beginning bid was 16, I bid zero, and I got it at zero. And so again, here you can see the lien was $401.34, but there was a county fee of 10 bucks. So the same exact county fee, it didn't change, right? So as a percentage, that was like two and a half percent of my lien. Uh, so I'll lose two and a half percent if someone redeems it. Colorado, um, in Park County, Colorado, bought a lien at auction. Again, here, three years later is when I could start foreclosure. The beginning bid was $238.10, but I bid a premium. I bid above that to get the lien because my hope was to be able to foreclose on this property or some of the other ones that I acquired. So it was 372 bucks. So my premium, if you look at the very bottom down here, the premium was $133.90. My lien was $238.10. And my interest is 9%. Because remember, Colorado, interest is same all around the state. So I get 9% not on $372. I get 9% on $238.10. So if someone redeems this, let's say the interest rate was 10%. After a year, I would get about $24 worth of interest. In um, this particular case, that means I would lose about 100 bucks because I'm not going to get my 372 back. All I can get is the initial beginning bid, the lien amount, plus interest. And now, a commercial break. Well, my friends, you have probably heard I am now a completely independent financial advisor. And, and as the time that uh, I, I am recording this, the stock market is down. Now, there's a lot of question in terms of where is the market going? Where should I be investing my money? There's no better time than now to get a review of your portfolio and make sure that you are set up properly. As a matter of fact, tax season is around the corner too. Maybe you're looking for some tax, tax strategies and hints and you want someone to talk it over with besides your CPA. Feel free to give my assistant Kyla a call at 612-284-2409 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Again, call 612-284-209 to set up a free 30-minute strategy session with me. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. And now back to the show. And I talked about auctions. I talked about over-the-counter. Uh, what's the difference? Basically, auctions mean you buy something live. 
in person or online, and you're bidding against other people, whether it's interest rates or premiums or whatever. Over the counter means they didn't go at auction. And so now you're having to identify those that didn't get bought and you're buying them, whether it's one month later, two months later, a year later, two years later. Sometimes some liens stay around a long time and it gives you a chance not to have to compete against anybody and get a lien and possibly get a property. That's how I started out. I bought stuff over the counter and then I got involved in the auctions. So um, as we know with, with auctions, it's the newest stuff. You have the opportunity to acquire the best properties. You do have competition at auction and you may pay stiff premiums in states like Colorado. And we know with states like Colorado, you may lose money, right? As we look at premiums or maybe the county fees, it's definitely possible you could lose, lose dollars. Over the counter, is the opposite, right? You're buying the oldest liens. These properties that the liens are on are not the best properties because the best ones went at the auction. There's no competition though, so you're not working against the competition and you know that you'll be in the money and except for maybe a county fee, like in a case like Arizona, you're very unlikely to lose money on that lien. All right, so uh, we talked about endorsements a bit, so I don't think we need to rehash that. Um, how do you focus on earning interest? What does that look like? I generally say my strategy would be for earning interest. Find liens that are less than 10 years old. Why? Because they are people that bought them relatively recently. They're likely to be younger in demographic, so you're more likely to get your liens redeemed. You could look for LLC and corporate-owned liens. So uh, let's say a land flipper like myself has a bunch of property taxes, and oops, I forgot to pay a few of them. I am far, 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 far more likely not to let that go because I have a business interest in it and I don't want to lose the land. So uh, LLCs and corporates are a great, great way to go if you're looking to earn interest. And uh, at auctions, you know, if my strategy is, again, to earn interest, I'm going to look to pay little to no premiums in a state like Colorado or in a state like Arizona, bid on higher interest rates. I'm not going to go to zero. I might go to 5% or 6%, kind of whatever the minimum is I hope to get uh, from it. Of course, you can buy over the counter, like we were just talking about. And uh, the other thing I would do if I'm looking at earning interest, you want to look for stuff that's not as likely to, that is more likely, I'm sorry, is more likely to get paid back. If someone has a house, if someone has developed a property, they are very likely to not want to lose it. That being said, it does happen even in houses, like people are like done and they don't wanna pay uh, on the property taxes anymore, they can't afford to, or someone's passed away or whatever the reason, uh, houses and developed properties are far, far more likely to pay it back. So let's look at an example. Uh, here's an example of, of one that I actually did. Uh, date of the auction was in 2019. I bought it over the counter almost two years later. So it was only like one year before I could foreclose on it. But that wasn't the, the reason necessarily why you might buy it if you're interested in interest. You want to buy it because you want to get that interest. So my original investment was about 1500 bucks. I endorsed it just a month later because the person still hadn't paid their prior year's property taxes yet. So my total investment was 2,800 bucks. 
It did get redeemed just a few months ago. Total paid was $3,100. Total interest received $300, right? So what did I make? I made a 10.4% rate of return on this money. Like to get a 10% return from anything is difficult. You know, stocks, you can get 10% from stocks, but it's a lot more risk as opposed to this, which is less risky, at least in my opinion, when you're buying something over the counter like this. Now, there are pros to this, right? You can generate consistent income, have money flowing in. You can get much higher interest rates than what you can get at the banks. As you were just seeing, you know, 200 bucks, 300 bucks, maybe a, a few thousand dollars you can throw at this, but you can get a whole bunch of them. Like imagine $200 a pop, buy 10 of them, $2,000 spread over 10 different investments. That's, that's a really cool thing to do. And in my opinion, there is very low risk, a small chance of a loss if you're following some of the principles that I described earlier. Cons, you don't know when they're going to redeem. It's like a CD where you don't know where the redemption date is. It might be three months, six months, a year, two years, three years. It might not ever redeem and you have to be prepared to possibly foreclose on it. Um, so that's the hard part. You don't know when. And uh, alternatively, they can redeem early and then you receive little to no interest and you have to wait a whole nother year for the next auction, unless you're doing other auctions at the same time like I do. Uh, you, you do have to pay taxes on the interest received. So this is not like a tax efficient vehicle. You do have to redeploy money quicker, right? If you want to earn 10% over a year or 8% over a year, you have to find ways to redeploy the money when you're earning, looking to earn interest. And then uh, overall, I'd say just lower potential rate of return versus the foreclosure that we're going to talk about here next. All right. So tax lien foreclosures, look at an example of this. So um, there was an auction originally in 2016. I bought this lien, like even after the three-year period, Someone could have bought it in 2018 and started foreclosing in 2019. Or someone could have bought it in 2019 and started foreclosing in November of 2019. But nobody did except for me. I originally invested 288 bucks into it. I started foreclosure in July of 2020, which cost me about 360 bucks. And then I endorsed it in August of 2020 when they still hadn't paid the prior year's taxes. So total investment in this case was $723. The foreclosure was completed in June of 2021. So you can see it was a full year, literally a whole year till the foreclosure happened. And I started that foreclosure in July. So it took a whole year for that to go through. But once I did, I sold the property within five days for $4,000. So if you look at the math, right? Four grand minus $723 gives you a gain of 3,200. You put in 7,000, you got out your money plus an additional 3,200, which is like a 452% rate of return. I mean, just insane uh, ROR type things. Now, of course, there's a lot of variables here, right? There's some pros to it. This can lead to properties like you can see in my case. I got it at a fraction of what the market price was that I sold it for. Huge potential rate of returns, which we love. Um, generally, versus what I do with land investing, this is so much cheaper 
to do to acquire houses or land than mailing or texting. So much less effort. Still some effort, but so much less effort. And um, I've done this in a self-directed Roth 401k, and it's been wonderful there because then I don't have to worry about any interest and stuff like that. But everything's not, not rainbows and sunshine. Generally, this takes longer. Remember, you can be shorter on the interest type things. This might take two to four years for you to get a property. Uh, as we talked about before, the best properties have significant premiums on them, like in Colorado, or you end up bidding to a 0% interest rate. So you're not going to earn much on interest is my point. You might even lose money potentially on some of the liens that you buy when you do this. And the other hard thing about this is you have that market price that you saw. I did that all within a year. But if now you're projecting two years, three years, four years out, who knows what the value might be then? It might be higher. Uh, I generally believe it'll probably be higher, but there could be a recession. Who knows what could happen um, that you might end up having to hold on to a property even longer than you intended, uh, potentially down the line. Now, the other major con when you're actually foreclosing on something, we have to be careful of outside liens. So for example, child support, federal taxes owed, the government can put liens on other people's things. Easy to find out uh, when this happens. And generally, I find this to be more the case with houses over land. So houses tend to have more outside liens because you have maybe a mortgage lender or uh, they haven't paid their taxes or child support or whatever versus land like they don't really care about. It's not worth enough to, to get that money out of uh, from them to have legal proceedings that might cost a couple grand or whatever. Can happen with land, but less likely. So how can you lose money? Um, counties charge fees, we talked about before. This is from tax liens in general, both sides of it. Bidding high premiums we've talked about. Um, not starting the redemption process. If you forget the redemption process, you can lose out entirely. If you don't endorse it, you know, you can lose out on the lien. Now, this is um, something really important we'll be, I'll be showing you here shortly. You wanna make sure if you are bidding on something that there's decent access physical and legal. Physical meaning you can get to the property, legal that you have a legal right to get to it. You wanna make sure to do a little bit of due diligence, like is there wetlands on this property? Is it steep? Like maybe there's a reason nobody else bid on it. So you have to do your research that maybe there's something about a particular property. Um, maybe you missed the outside lien we were just talking about. Maybe there's an HOA and there's back owed HOA dues that would have to get paid off. Uh, and overall, I mean, to me, a lot of this, particularly when you end up having, like I do, I have a few hundred tax liens, you have to be organized. If you have five, well, it's not as big of a deal. It's not as not as hard, uh, but you've got to be organized, which I'll show you here shortly in my organization system. And then lastly, just not making the time. You got to make time for this stuff. All right. So I have uh, really walked you through so far all kinds of great information on the first part here of the, the kind of the basics of tax liens, some examples of them. And now this next part, I'm going to walk you through uh, how do you buy when you invest in tax liens. So stay tuned for part two. All right. Well, welcome back to the second half of our tax liens presentation. 
And in the first half, make sure to check that out because that's going to give you kind of the background for what we're talking about now. So the question might be, how do you buy when you invest in tax liens? What is that process? Dave, show me what it actually looks like. Well, I will show you a few examples of how I think about this, how we go about it, and what that's all about. All right, so step one. We covered some of this already in the prior video, in a sense, which is you got to do your state research. You got to know when you can foreclose. You got to know county fees. You got to know, do you have to go through an attorney or do you have to go uh, through the county? How much would it cost if you do that? Um, in the county itself, outside of some of those basic things in the state, you got to know, do you have to pay on premiums? Uh, bid on premiums. Do you have to uh, bid on the interest rate? So make sure you're knowing all of those critical things as you think about your strategy and what you're going to do. Also in the county research, you might want to be aware of like how popular is this county. Uh, I often look at last auctions to see, particularly online ones, to see what were the results, how many people were bidding, what have the trends been, for this. Ideally, what you really want is like an auction where there's a ton of properties, ideally even more than the last year, because the larger the volume, the, the less dollars there are to spread across everything. The smaller and more concentrated the auction, the more competitive generally it has been. Um, you want to know, is it in person or is it online? I find that in-person auctions are far less competitive because not just anyone can do it from a keyboard, right? And so in-person are awesome, less competitive, cost you less, but maybe you don't want to have to travel around the country. So maybe online auctions are better for you. And then lastly, keep in mind your budget. You don't want to get in trouble for bidding too much. Um, generally, most liens have rounds, if they have enough properties, like round one, round two, round three, round four, round five. So make sure for each round, kind of know what you might, might want to do, but then see what happens. Um, last year, we found the auction had way more properties, and I was kind of pessimistic after attending a few other tax lien auctions, thinking, oh my gosh, everything's going to go for a premium. And we ended up with way more liens than we intended. And so we had to pour some more money into the company to get all the liens that, that we had bought uh, at the auction. So be aware of your budget and know what you can afford and how long you can stretch yourself. And always better when you start out, start small. Next step, download the lien list. So let me show you what that might look like. So a list might look something like this. And so you'll see here, uh, we have a parcel number, which is here. We have a name of a person. We have their address. You notice here, this is like Alberta, Canada. So this person is out of the country. We have a legal description. We have the amount of the lien. We know how many years they have been delinquent on it. And so you have a lot of good stuff here. So what I do after I've downloaded a list, 
I might um, have a virtual assistant help out. So this is where, like, I don't want to do all this work myself. So some counties and some states are better than others. In this case, this is a pain in the butt because you have to move all of this stuff onto a spreadsheet, which a spreadsheet might end up looking something like this. So which leads us to our next step which is having the international VA help sort the list. So just to give you guys an idea of here's, here's our auction from, I believe it's last year. And so you can see here, I have a parcel number. I have the name of the person. Uh, I did some evaluation whether I wanted this lot. I knew when they last purchased the legal description, the acres, is this an individual or not? How much was due? Are there trees on it? Is there a house on it? Do we own the adjacent lot? Is there physical access? Is there legal access? Is this person out of state or in state? What did they buy it for? You know, all kinds of wonderful, wonderful, wonderful information here. And so a virtual assistant did all this stuff for me. So I use and we use a tool called MapRite. So I'm going to pick on this property. And this is what a virtual assistant would do for me. They're going to look at, in this case, this is Costilla County, Colorado. I'm going to use this APN. So again, this is MapRite I'm using right now. And so here's this property. And so I'm looking to see, or having my virtual assistant look, is there legal and physical access? Which means like there's a road here. So you can see here's a road to this property. You can see there's other roads. So you see how this, this is kind of platted here. Here's the outline of the property. Here's a road. This road clearly isn't maintained, but this one going right to the property clearly looks like it is. So I would say that this property has legal access, which is this strip here, which is not maintained, and it has physical access going to the property due to this road here. If this road here looked more like this one, then I would probably say it doesn't have physical access. So I want my virtual assistants, and at the end of the day, I'm going to filter to have properties that only have physical and legal access because it's tough for me to sell it. You might have different criteria of what you're looking for. Maybe you don't need all this stuff. For example, in-state owners are far more likely to pay off a lien. Out-of-state owners are less likely, I've found from my statistics. And you might find other things that work for you. Has this person passed away? Have they declared bankruptcy? There's all kinds of stuff that you can do and have your virtual assistant do for you. So they put all this spreadsheet together. I review over it. I sort it. I delete liens I don't want. And then I keep liens that I like the best. So then I had kind of a favorites list that um, we developed here, which was a couple hundred liens. And then I put in here, what was the current amount due? What's the most I'm willing to bid on it? And so on. So this is where I come into it. And so I'll be looking at properties on um, MapRite after I kind of filter down the list to figure out which ones do I want the most? And you can see my notes here. I said, yes, maybe, 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 maybe. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I put I put notes on here. I've highlighted stuff colors to help me sort it. So all kinds of really good stuff regarding that. So I just talked about reviewing the list. And again, I use a tool like MapRite to help me double check stuff because maybe the VA was doing it quickly and got it wrong. And if they did, then I asked them to do it. Redo it. 
Number five, you need to determine which liens you want to purchase and looking for outside liens. Remember I mentioned earlier about if there might be a, an extra lien like from child support that was due or federal income taxes or whatever. So you need to be looking for that stuff. It's so important. And then lastly, you've bought a lien. Yay, you did it. You got to keep track of this stuff. I use something called Airtable. You could easily use Excel. Um, so you can see here, here's actual liens that I bought. You can see here's a whole bunch of redemption dates. I have dates I've started foreclosure on, uh, the date of the auction, when I purchased it, when can I start foreclosure, when was it redeemed, you know, all kinds of really good information about properties. And we're getting more and more detailed as we try and move stuff off of here to here. And so this is how I keep track of it. You know, is, is all this stuff, and you can just see all these liens that uh, I've done in different states and different counties. And I'm going to continue to expand and try new stuff. I haven't bought liens in every state yet. And uh, if you have, if you have, or you're going to, you know, let me know how the process is so we can share it and, and help other people along the way. Um, so keeping track of your purchase liens is so important because you got to know what's the next thing I'm going to foreclose. You got to be organized in keeping track of this stuff. And then foreclosing when necessary, right? If you need to foreclose, the lien is getting kind of aged or you want to foreclose. You know, you need to foreclose when necessary. So having a good team around you, uh, knowing at the county who to speak with, if you have to have an attorney, you know, having an attorney in place, you have to be ready to do that. And then step eight, if uh, the land or houses are acquired, you might want to consider getting quiet title and removing liens if necessary. So uh, you don't have to do these things. This is optional. But let's say you've actually gotten a property through a tax lien foreclosure. You weren't going for interest, or maybe you were, but you ended up getting a piece of land or a house. Um, if it's worth enough, which to me probably means over 20 grand, then you might want to hire an attorney to help you go through quiet title. And what that means essentially is the attorney's filing stuff with the court because for the first seven years of a lien in the state of Colorado or Arizona, other states might be different, um, you have what's called cloudy title, meaning that someone else has an interest in the property. Usually that's someone who had owned it in the past. And so if you want to sell things through a title company that are tax lien foreclosures, most of the time, they're going to want you to go through quiet title. Some title companies don't, some do. So it just all depends. Um, let's say you got a, a house. And remember I talked about earlier, there might be liens on a property. Maybe you don't care. And you may not care because maybe the lien's small. Like let's say you ended up getting a house through a tax lien foreclosure. And let's say all in, you spent like 10 grand and the house and the land that it's on are worth like 250,000, right? So it's worth 250, you invested 10,000 and there's a lien out there for another 10 grand. Are you going to put, pay off that person 10 grand so you can have all $230,000 equity to yourself? Heck yeah, you are. And so um, there are times you will want to do that. If maybe you made a mistake and there's a big lien on your property, then maybe you just walk away from it and just say, you know what? I'm moving away. I don't care about this. I'm not going to foreclose on this thing. We're just calling it done. 
So definitely be aware of uh, the cloudy title situation and you might want to consider quiet title. And then of course, if you do get property, sell it and reinvest that bad boy. And so that my friends is tax liens. So much good stuff within tax liens. We've been teaching other streams of income, but certainly I'd love to help you in any number of different areas. And you know, I find a lot of people aren't open to help from coaching from other people's experiences. And what percentage is that? I find it 63%. Like more than half of people are just like, nah, I'm good. I don't want help. I don't want an expert helping me. And so I hope that's not you. And my question to you is, are you open to being coached? Are you open to getting advice and seeking help? There's a pretty good guy, Michael Jordan. He had a coach, right? Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning all had coaches to help them on the mechanics. And this tax lien stuff is great and you can get a handle on it, but maybe you need a coach to help you get started and help guide you along the way. You know, Michael Jordan said, my best skill was that I was coachable. I was a sponge and aggressive to learn. Are you a sponge? Are you ready to learn? Now, if you want more, you want to discuss this, maybe you have some other questions, hey, apply for a 30-minute free strategy session. I would love to help you, would love to hear from you, hear your story, your questions, your situations, and uh, to be able to, to help out. So if you're interested, feel free to reach out to me, Dave at DavidDeniston.com, or my assistant, Robbie, assistant at DavidDeniston.com, and it would be our delight to help you learn more about tax liens, land investing, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, whatever's on your heart and mind. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Well, thank you, my friends, so much for listening to the last podcast. I am pleased to announce that I am now a completely independent financial advisor, where to the point now, I can really integrate my financial planning practice with this podcast. If you might be looking for help, if you have found any of our information here interesting or relevant and you're looking for a second opinion, I'm making myself available for 30-minute strategy sessions. And if you want to arrange a time to meet with me to discuss your situation and see if we might be a good fit for one another, I'd like you to call our office and speak with Kyla. Our phone number is 612-284-2409. Again, that's 612-284-2409. And I look forward to helping you with your financial situation. And now for some lovely legal disclosures required by our lawyer friends. Investment advice is only offered in jurisdictions where Centurion Financial Strategies, LLC, Centurion is appropriately registered or exempt from registration. Our Form ADV Part 2 brochure can be obtained free of charge at advisorinfo.sec.gov by searching for our firm name or its unique CRD number, which is 316-454. This podcast is not a solicitation to provide advisory services in any jurisdiction in which we are not appropriately registered or excluded. The information, statements, and opinions contained in this podcast have been obtained from or are based on information obtained from sources which we believe to be reliable, but we do not warrant or guarantee the timeliness or accuracy of such information. 
This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as personalized investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed by any guest are their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the firm's views. You should carefully consider your own financial circumstances and needs prior to making any investment in securities or purchasing any insurance products. As always, past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing in securities or really anything else involves the risk of loss. If by some chance in this particular podcast I mentioned insurance products, insurance products are backed by the financial strength and claims paying ability of an issuing insurance company. They may be subject to restrictions, limitations, and early withdrawal fees, which vary by issue. You should always consider the charges, risks, expenses, and investment objective of any insurance products before entering a contract. And that, my friends, wraps it up. Wish you all the best. Feel free to contact us with any info at www.daviddeniston.com. Thank you so much and have a good one. Bye-bye.